Hello and welcome to the Video Games Podcast. This is the 56th episode and I hope you're at home being smart and staying safe during these times. Always try to make the best of a bad situation, so play some games that have been in your backlog. Maybe spend some time with those at home with you by playing some couch co-op games. If you're looking for something to do after listening to this podcast, then head on over to our Ori and the Will of the Wisps 21Q review. And we also did a 21Q review of the latest Battle Royale on the market from Call of Duty with Warzone. If you're interested, the link for those two videos will be in the description. I'd love it if you check them out. On today's podcast, though, we are talking about the big three. Nintendo had an Indie World showcase this week, and we talk about what we thought of it directly and indirectly. Sony finally gives us a little more PlayStation 5 news as long as you're willing to sit through a little bit of a lecture, and Microsoft gives us another huge batch of Series X news, but this time with the help of some friends. So let's get into it. Considering the last time that we had a broadly focused Nintendo Direct, which was back in September of 2019, expectations were probably a little higher than they should have been for this week's Indie World Showcase. Since September, we've received a few focused Directs that went into depth on such games as Smash and Animal Crossing, but those didn't give us an idea of what we can look forward to from Nintendo on a wider range in 2020. As I mentioned a few weeks ago, it would have been shocking to me if Nintendo put out a direct before the release of Animal Crossing New Horizons. It just wouldn't have made any business sense to take attention away from the release of the long-anticipated full console release of Animal Crossing. It's about the only thing that we know of from the first half of Nintendo that is exclusive to the Switch, and taking away attention from that could potentially jeopardize sales. The global health concern that has affected many lives and businesses clearly hasn't been favorable to Nintendo either. Previously, we have received some great announcements at the Indie World Showcases, or what used to be known as the Nindies, and I enjoyed that title as I felt it rolled off the tongue and it was playful, which does fit right in line with Nintendo's gaming image. Indie World Showcase is a little bit more of a word mess in my mind, but I guess they want to focus on the indie studios from around the world. The last Indie World Showcase in December had some solid announcements, including the sequel to the critically acclaimed golf story titled Sports Story, the modernization of the 16-bit classic Streets of Rage with Streets of Rage 4, and it also featured the Switch port of Dauntless and finished with one more thing with a new look at Axiom Verge 2. These announcements all have a greater level of notoriety than anything mentioned in this week's showcase in my mind. The feeling I get is that people were underwhelmed by the showcase this week, and I think it's kind of justifiable. After all, we are nearing a nearly six-month dry spell for Nintendo Directs, and the fans are getting very hungry for information. Most of the games announced during this week's showcase are releasing anywhere from now to late summer. Nintendo must have something farther in the pipeline from the indie section that it could have used to really give the showcase a boost. It could have used something coming in the fall or even early winter as a nine-month marketing window isn't unheard of. I think not giving us an anticipated title that people want or something with a little more cachet to it was a bit of a missed opportunity. Spelunky 2, Carry On, or even something like Oceanhorn 2 coming to the Switch would have been great. Currently, Oceanhorn 2 is an Apple Arcade exclusive, but the original was quite popular in the early days of the Switch due to its Zelda-like qualities. 
Presentation Basics 101 is to start and finish strong. When you start with a big game announcement, then people are hooked in for the rest of the show, and when you close out the showcase with a solid game, it will help soften the blow if the overall showcase missed the mark. The showcase opened with Blue Fire, as it looks to be an open-world platformer in the vein of Breath of the Wild, and it's due to be out this summer. It looks great, but we don't know anything about it as it only showed gameplay, and they didn't really reveal any story elements. In the middle of the showcase, there was a new game coming from Annapurna Studios, which have published some critically acclaimed games, including Edith Finch, Donut County, and 2019's critical darling, Outer Wilds. However, I Am Dead from Annapurna seems to be lacking the same X factor that those other games contained. Also, Hello Games had a nice-looking game with The Last Campfire. Hello Games' latest leaves behind procedurally generated universes for a much more intimate adventure game that looks to be full of puzzles and dungeons. Obviously, anytime you build a game with exploring and puzzles, you are bound to draw comparisons to The Legend of Zelda, and based on the trailer, it seems to capture some of that magic. The best way to make a bad presentation good is to leave people with a great takeaway, which usually comes in the form of a one more thing style announcement from Nintendo. Unfortunately, Nintendo's big moment was Exit the Gungeon, and I don't have anything against the series, but it didn't provide the big moment that Nintendo could have really used, especially for this showcase. Exit the Gungeon, a previously Apple Arcade exclusive that was available at the time of the Indie World Showcase, if you could get onto the eShop as it was down for most of that day. With the latest self-quarantine happening across North America, online services are clearly seeing an uptick in activity. All three major console makers have seen some service interruptions over the past week or so with the massive influx of users who are staying home and playing games, which is a smart idea. I don't think it was a bad Indie World showcase as there were some potentially good games announced and most of them are coming out hopefully by the end of summer. I think that the showcase did feel a little underwhelming due to the amount of content that we have been starved for from Nintendo in terms of announcements for 2020. Looking forward, I think the next Direct, which will hopefully happen in the next few weeks, will be judged very harshly as expectations will be through the roof. Nintendo always has a Direct at E3, and there is an outside possibility that that will actually be the next Direct we get around June. When it comes to Nintendo after Animal Crossing New Horizons, we are pretty much in the dark for the rest of 2020 and what their plans are when trying to stay competitive with the latest from Sony and Microsoft still on track to release new consoles in late 2020. Moving on to other companies that have also been starving the fan base of information, and that would be Sony and the PlayStation 5. Microsoft has clearly been playing catch-up this generation and have had marketing plans ready for years most likely. The Xbox Series X marketing campaign began with a great teaser trailer at the Game Awards and it has hit some great strides since then. It seems that they've been making the right moves at the right time and most of the time these moves are making it look like Sony is staying silent. Back in late February, Phil Spencer, head of Xbox, released an article featuring some of the major touchstones of the Xbox Series X. With the exception of teraflops, most of the talking points were actually understandable for the average gamer, including things like smart delivery and quick resume. Then this week, Xbox pulled back the curtain even more on their Xbox Series X, which we will get into more in detail soon. But shortly after that, we got an announcement from Sony that we would be getting a deep dive into the PS5 with system architect Mark Cerny. This was a very dry presentation that was clearly, as Jim Ryan said at the beginning, intended for GDC. 
It was a very technical presentation with little in the way of big marketing moments. We didn't see the controller, we didn't see the box, and there was very little for the casual gamer to get excited about. I think there are a lot of people who after the presentation were a little disturbed by the lack of details, but this talk wasn't aimed towards the gamers. It was aimed towards the developers, and I think leading up to this, I think Sony should have been a little more clear to try and avoid disappointing the fans even more so, because at the early part of the stream, there was almost 300,000 fans watching and hoping for something exciting. They did announce it as a deep dive into the PS5 architecture, so they did that right, but I think it was assumed that they would have a little more pop to it. I think the best thing it would have been to just to not make an announcement at all like Xbox has been doing. Just release it. People will find it. I'm not sure if that would have made a difference, but once I realized what the talk was going to be, I did find it a little bit more enjoyable and more informative. One thing that has been repeated since the speculation began about the specs of the next boxes from Sony and Microsoft was that the Xbox would be the more powerful console. Phil Spencer has said before that the Xbox won't be out of position on power or price, and this means that the PS5 will technically have lower specs, and the job of Mark Cerny is to explain how power isn't everything. How Sony plans to leverage the strengths of the PS5 and the exclusives is going to be the challenge. And the main touchstones for the GDC AIM talk was the SSD, the GPU, and the 3D audio. And starting with the SSD, one thing that seemed a little strange was that the PS5 will have an 825 gigabyte SSD, which seems like a strange size to decide on, and it could have been based on the size they are trying to keep the PS5, or keeping the cost down on a console requiring a smaller SSD. This is another area that Microsoft now has a clear advantage. Now, I am not Digital Foundry, and I can't explain what the difference is between 10.3 teraflops on the PS5 and 12.1 teraflops on the Xbox Series X and what that actually means, but I do know that 12 is bigger than 10. The big difference in the PS5 is that it's going to have a higher clock speed at 2.33 gigahertz as opposed to the 1.825 gigahertz on the Xbox Series X. And according to Mark Cerny, the advantages of having a higher clock speed are greater all around than having higher teraflops. I don't know if this is true or not, but the only way we will know is when we can see the games that are being created for these machines side by side. Sony seems like it will have an uphill battle trying to overcome the marketing of having the system with less teraflops, a smaller SSD, and so on. It seems that it's becoming much easier to differentiate these two consoles this generation as opposed to when the Xbox One and the PS4 seemed almost identical in specs. The other major touchstone of the presentation was 3D audio and how they are building that into the PS5 and what they are calling the Tempest Engine. The gist of 3D audio is that every ear is different and when the system is using audio built for your ear specifically, it is more immersive. Since there would be no way to program for everyone's ear, they have created five presets that come close to matching most people's ear canal which you will choose in the settings when you first set up your PS5, and it will first be set up for headphones and then TVs after that. It's a lot more technical and complex than that, but if we're coming to a slower advancement on visuals in games, then it makes sense to look for other ways to move the medium forward quicker. Take it all with a grain of salt as it might not be noticeable at all. Now to put on the tinfoil hat and to read way too much into certain things that were said. There were a few strange decisions made throughout the course of the presentation, including referencing Jack 2 when talking about the SSD capabilities and then also referencing Dead Space when talking about the 3D audio. 
Mark Cerny and Sony could have picked any game to talk about the benefits of load times as well as the importance of 3D audio in the game as opposed to these two. It's the use of them in the presentation that makes you wonder if either of these titles are being teased for a comeback on the PS5. The other tinfoil theory was the graphic that Mark Cerny used when referencing backwards compatibility of the system. The graphic showed PS5 in native mode, PS4 Pro in Pro Legacy mode, and PS4 in Legacy mode with space underneath. It was an interesting choice to have plenty of extra space below the PS4, which you could infer that that space will be for future PS1, PS2, and PS3 announcements. I feel like companies should know by now that if they leave anything in, it's going to be dissected, and they would only leave these things in if they're meaning for it to be an Easter egg. As I said, a lot of this information probably would have been received better from the fans if it was just released in another Wired exclusive or partner with someone else in the same vein as Microsoft just did with Digital Foundry. As for where Sony is heading from here, I think anyone's guess is as good as mine during these times, everything seems uncertain. I wouldn't be shocked if Sony is taking a plan A and a plan B approach with a full reveal of the PS5 including games, pricing, controller, and date but I think they would like to have the industry media cover the event in person to be able to demonstrate some of the features that they will have and how much power isn't everything. I also think with the global health concern, they are quietly planning the backup plan, which would be probably something along the lines of a state of play. As hungry as everyone is for all the PS5 information they can get, I don't think Sony needs to give us a big reveal until June or July, and this means that they still have a lot of time to wait and see how the world progresses from here and play their cards right. Just a few weeks ago, Phil Spencer made a large post on the Xbox Newswire detailing the specs of the Series X, as well as some of the new features that we will hopefully be seeing this holiday season. There's plenty of great information to get excited about at a gamer level, including smart delivery and quick resume, and this week, Xbox gave us yet another look at the Series X, except this time we got the full specs in collaboration with Digital Foundry and Austin Evans. I'm assuming most of you have already seen it since people are at home, but in the case you haven't, I'd say head over to the Digital Foundry YouTube page where they have a detailed video with hands-on time with the system when they were invited out to Microsoft. A lot of the features that Microsoft is touting for the next generation were demonstrated using simple and impressive demos. For the quick resume, they showed switching from State of Decay 2 to Forza 7 to Ori in the Blind Forest to backwards compatible The Cave to Hellblade and then back to State of Decay 2. All of these games were suspended during gameplay, and it looked to be almost instant when resuming these games from their suspend points. The other demo that they showed was how the system will benefit from the SSD and how quick the loading will be. They used State of Decay 2 on the Xbox One X, which can be a long titled load on the current generation. On the Series X, the game was up and running in around 10 seconds, and on the Xbox One X, it was closer to a minute. Even though we were told faster loading times in and during games, it was still impressive to see it with a simple demo. Microsoft also unveiled the look and features of the Xbox Series X controller, which is a big factor for gamers when looking at which system they are going to buy. The Xbox One controller is arguably the best controller on the market, and that's not even taking into account how much greater the Xbox Elite controller is, which I purchased when it was released and have been extremely happy with it since. 
Microsoft understand that if it's not broke, then don't fix it just because it needs to be next gen. And they said, given the love fans have for the current controller, they want to ensure that they don't change things just for the sake of change. I'm not going to bore you with trying to explain the controller differences as well as the latency and how they plan to improve that. That's what Digital Foundry and Austin Evans are for. I'm not sure how all of this will equate to sales come fall when the new systems are released, but the way Microsoft is giving us a steady flow of information and teases is far superior to the method that PlayStation is currently taking, especially when you have two technical heavy releases from the same company in the same week to try and explain what the new features are and what they mean to gamers. Microsoft decided to release all of this information without any warning or hype compared to Sony telling gamers and fans to tune in this week for PS5 news regarding a deep dive on the system spec. Mark Cerny is a very smart man to say the least, but the PlayStation 5 event this week that was supposedly intended for GDC just felt like a lecture for the most part with information that the casual gamer just wouldn't comprehend. On the flip side, Xbox partnered with Austin Evans and Digital Foundry two very popular gaming-related YouTube channels that can display this information in exciting and informative ways that will keep the audience engaged. In just five days, those two videos posted have almost 7 million views combined. Xbox has had a lot of time to sit and think about how they are going to attack this generation after almost seven years of being in second place. Xbox is hungry and you can feel it and the hope is that this trend continues when we get the full reveal of this system date, games and price. As for the price, based on all of the information that Microsoft has told us regarding the specs in conjunction with how logistics have been affected this year, I wouldn't be surprised if this launched at $599 US. People freaked out at the price of the PS3 when it launched at $599 and claimed it required two jobs to afford. But what is largely hidden from the spotlight is that by the end of that generation, it most likely outsold the Xbox 360 based on the data we have, despite the 360 having extra time on the market. Perception isn't always reality, and with the right mix of power, games, and features, the Xbox Series X is poised for a strong comeback this generation. That's going to be where I end the show this week. I want to say thank you very much for listening. It means a lot. And if you haven't already and you like what you hear, then please consider subscribing. And as I mentioned, we posted a few 21Q reviews of the latest Ori and the Warzone from Call of Duty. So please check those out. Leave a comment. Give it a like. Stay home. Stay safe. Enjoy some games and take your mind off of things. Now, more than ever, remember gaming is supposed to be a positive thing. So please be nice to your fellow gamer. And more importantly, be nice to your fellow human. I'll see you next week.